The last thing each day is to set an alarm for the first thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale on 760 WJR. Renee, Jason, I may need you guys to help me out here. What, what's that beloved Christmas carol? I'm dreaming of a wintry mix week before Christmas. Something oh, like that. Yeah, that's the Detroit version. Yeah, that's the B side. It didn't quite take off. <laughs> right. Yeah, Maybe, so. you know, it could sound nice if Karen Newman sang it, though. She can make anything sound dreamy. Yeah, let's get her on the horn. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, right now things are calm. It might get uh, a little dicey later on as you're you're listening to Guy, Lloyd, and Jamie. So uh, just stay by your radio and hang on every word that Renee says. She'll, she'll, oh, she'll get you through. Right. We'll no get pressure. you to work safely. That's right. All right. So uh, brand new Lions, they're back. They uh, and you know what? I don't know if it's because the Lions are legit good and they're they're heading to the playoffs more than likely mixed with the fact that it's a week before Christmas. But I got to tell you, Renee, I feel like there's a euphoria that has come across the region that uh, it, it wasn't there um, back in 2016 when the Lions kind of backed into the playoffs. It wasn't there um, when they they went two out of three years with Jim Caldwell. There's something about this team that has the area not only on cloud nine, but actually believing that they're legit. It's Dan Campbell. We have a good coach. Yeah, or as you like to call him. Daddy Campbell. That's right. Daddy Campbell <laughs> giving us a, a playoff berth down our stockings. Yes. And, uh, you know, it, I, they regrouped. They refocused. They re-strategized. Right. Hey, hey, Mike, right. can I play yeah. this cut real quick? Because this cut fired me up. Yeah, play it, Jace. Let's do, let's do it. We're hitting our streak at the right time. All right. But we're the same team. We know exactly what we are. All right, and now that you win, you're putting more stress on everybody else. All we got to do is get another one. Man, I'm proud of you. It's a great win, man. That's 10. And we got more to go. Yes. Goosebumps. Yes. Man, how do you how do you not want to run through a wall for that freaking guy? I want to hear that every Monday morning. I don't care if it's a football <laughs> game or not. That's If you're a football player or not, that just re-energizes you. Let's go. Yeah, play that on January 2nd, Jason, when we're all back from vacation. <laughs> back to work. Keep that in the back pocket. We're going to need it. I will, definitely. Yeah. And here's the thing. Dan Campbell, he was the student who became the teacher on Saturday night when the Lions beat Denver 42-17 to at Ford Field because he spent years playing and coaching under Sean Payton when they were both in New Orleans. And uh, the, the Lions could actually clinch a playoff spot tonight Right. If the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Seattle Seahawks, uh, which Jalen Hurts, last I heard, he, he he was sick with something and he's questionable. But if Jalen Hurts is in, even if Jalen Hurts isn't in, the Eagles are probably going to be quite ornery uh, because they came off. They've come off a loss against their arch rivals, the Dallas Cowboys. So I like our chances. And now that we took care of business uh, with the Denver Broncos. We literally just have to beat the Minnesota Vikings once to clinch, clinch the division. So well, I was here Saturday uh, with Dave Rieger and we were talking and it was exciting to hear all the different scenarios play out that could help us win this spot. 
And, you yeah. know, just it's exciting. Well, you know, just not even with the, the Lions and what they need to do, what the other teams could possibly do to help us get there. Yeah. And I was watching those scenarios yesterday. Um, the Falcons helped us out by losing to the god awful Carolina Panthers. But I think we also needed Tampa Bay to win. Yep. No, we needed Tampa Bay to lose. I'm sorry. We oh, needed I'm sorry. Tampa I thought Bay- it was a win. Yeah, we needed. Yeah, I think we needed Tampa Bay to lose, and then we needed Matthew Stafford and the Rams to lose, which they didn't. Um, but like Come I on, said, Stafford, help us out. And, and, there, <laughs> yeah, and, and there's a game that could be looming for the first round where the Lions could host the Rams and Matt Stafford. Yeah. Oh, How man. crazy would that be? What kind of reception do you think Matt Stafford would get? I, I think I think I he'd think get he a good would, one. Yeah, I think he. I think he'd get polite applause. Right. Um, until he threw his then, first touchdown pass. And, uh, <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Until he beats then us. it's over. Yeah. And uh, once again, Matthew Stafford plays just well enough to keep the Lions from advancing. Anyway, that was a cheap shot. I'm sorry. He's a good guy. He's a good man. All right. Um, on to uh, the news here. Did you hear about this uh, car accident involving the Secret Service, Renee? Yeah, so that happened yesterday as he was uh, he was leaving a visit to his campaign headquarters. Uh, the president yeah. and the First Lady Jill Biden were unharmed, so that's good news. Yeah, I guess a, a car crashed into a Secret Service SUV. It was guarding President Biden's motorcade as, as they were leaving his uh, campaign headquarters, like you said, outside of Wilmington, Delaware. It happened about 100 feet away, and I guess wow. uh, reporters were there. So so some of it was caught on tape. And, uh, and it, it turns out that they don't believe that this car was targeting President Biden. It was just uh, some guy who needs how to lear- learn how to drive. Um, and it was just a coincidence that it happened there. So I don't know. I don't know if he was texting or driving. I don't know if he was drunk, but the Secret Service surrounded the car and, and drew their guns on him. So uh, that that will sober you up pretty quick. Yep, I'd say so. Um, a really terrible mix up oh, uh, on Friday where members of the IDF, Israel Defense Forces, uh, accidentally killed three hostages. Yep. Uh, they were holding a stick with a white piece of cloth and shouted help in Hebrew before being shot. The IDF said soldiers who were operating in the area mistakenly identified the three Israeli hostages as a threat and fired on them. IDF Chief of Staff Herzi Hale said in a statement, the shooting at the hostages was done in violation of the IDF rules of engagement. It's not allowed to shoot at a person who is holding a white flag and wants to surrender. He added, but the shooting was conducted under stress and on a battlefield. Hagari said the IDF thinks that the three hostages had either managed to escape or were abandoned by their Hamas captors during the fighting in the neighborhood. He said that the troops' suspicion about their identities arose only after the incident. Their bodies were transferred to Israeli territory for examinations that confirmed that the three were Israeli hostages who had been held in Gaza. It's the first time since the Israel-Hamas war began that the IDF has acknowledged accidentally killing hostages during its ground operation in Gaza. Hamas has previously claimed some hostages have been killed in Israeli airstrikes in Gaza. The incident is increasing pressure on Israel to strike a new deal to release more than 130 hostages still held by Hamas. 
Yeah, and last week, President Biden said that Israel risks losing international support if they keep indiscriminately bombing Gaza. Uh, This obviously does not help. I'm wondering if the heat that's being put on Benjamin Netanyahu as a result of this is making him more open to negotiations. I guess there's just been protests breaking out all over Israel um, protesting Benjamin Netanyahu, not only because they feel like his intelligence failed in the first place that led to this attack, but that he's being uh, too aggressive, too cavalier Mm -hmm. when it comes to bombing Gaza. And, uh, you know, a lot of these victims' families, they think that he is putting vengeance in front of bringing um, the hostages home. And and this just turns the heat up. So we'll see. Uh, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, he is traveling to the region. I think he's, if he's not there already, he's going to be there today. And he's going to be sitting down with Israel and a cutter who always seems to uh, be in the middle of all this in a positive way. Right. And uh, trying to work out another ceasefire. Um, There's a lot of news coming out of a meeting of Michigan State's Board of Trustees on Friday, starting with the big settlement for families of students who were killed during the shooting back in February. Yep, Michigan State University has reached settlements with those families, the three that were killed in the mass shooting on February 13th. During a Board of Trustees meeting on Friday, the board unanimously voted to approve the agreements with the families of Alexandria Verner, Ariel Anderson, and Brian Frazier. David Fenement. Femininio, I knew I was going to screw that up. An attorney for the Werner family said that the settlement is for $5 million. Five others were injured when a suspect opened fire on students inside Berkey, Berkey Hall and the MSU Union. The suspect later killed himself. During the board meeting Friday, MSU trustee Dan Kelly said, while no amount of compensation can ever replace the loss of life, we do hope this brings some closure, support, and relief to these impacted families. The Werner family said that they plan to use the money to keep Alex's legacy alive and make sure that what happened to her does not happen to another Michigan student. When asked their message, for other families, a tearful Nancy Verner said, love your kids. Always say I love you and never go to bed angry. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, you know, talking about Berkey Hall, Renee, there's some controversy because MSU is plan- planning to reopen Berkey Hall where two of those students were killed. And uh, it will reopen for classes in January for the winter semester. The student union where uh, 20-year-old Brian Fraser was killed reopened in April. And look, this is tough. I understand the the university needing to use that space. But I think when it comes to reopening Berkey Hall, I I think the only opinion that matters is that of the students. Um, If they're not quite ready to go back into that space or if they're never ready to go back into that space, I think there should be a hybrid option. Um, Other schools in the past have closed down buildings for a number of years. Um, Maybe what you do is you just move freshman level classes in there. That way there's no, uh, you know, you get the new students in there and there's no pre-existing trauma. But uh, yeah, a lot of people thinking it's way too soon to reopen that. Understandably um, so. Sure. And real quick before we go to break, the Board of Trustees, they also voted unanimously to release thousands of documents linked to the Larry Nassar sexual abuse case to the Office of Attorney General Dana Nessel. So we'll see what comes out of that. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. Well, Homeland Security Secretary Alexander Mayorkas and the Senate, they were actually in Washington, D.C. over the weekend trying to work out a deal to address both the southern border 
and send more aid to Ukraine and Israel. Of course, as we know, Republicans, they have refused to allocate any more money to help Ukraine in its war against Russia until policy changes were made at the U.S.-Mexican border. They're hoping to take a vote sometime this week. I don't know if that means for the House. I don't know if the Senate overrides the House or if that bill will be waiting for the House when they come back from their uh, Christmas vacation. But uh, the Senate was working on Capitol Hill over the weekend to try to get something done. Really scary story on the uh, Southfield Freeway there, Renee. Police are investigating a fiery accident on the Southfield Freeway as a homicide now. On Friday night, just before midnight, uh, the driver of a truck on the southbound Southfield Freeway um, lost control near Plymouth Road. He hit another vehicle before driving up an embankment and then back down on fire. Driver of the first vehicle, a 49-year-old man, he was ejected. He died on the scene. The driver of the second vehicle, he was taken to the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. Police found bullet holes in the truck mm. and bullet casings on the scene. And there's no suspect in custody right now. So if anyone has any information, people, uh, police are asking people to call 1-800-SPEAK-UP. And it seems like these freeway shootings are becoming more and more common uh, in the past few years, especially um, during the pandemic. I think that, um, you know, emotions and frustrations are running high. Um, you know, you wonder if this was targeted. You wonder if it was random. It makes you uh, wonder if maybe it was a road rage incident. Right. And honestly. Yeah. And look, I'm a bit of a uh, red bleep myself when I'm out, when I'm out driving, especially yeah. on the freeway. And when I hear stories like this, it definitely makes me take a moment before um, before giving a salute or honking my <laughs> horn that maybe I just maybe I just take maybe I just take a breath. Because a stories like, yeah, these are happening more and more frequently. And, you know, a, a, a quick moment of me losing my temper is not worth being you know, a story on the 11, 11 o'clock. Right. So hopefully they find this person, but I mean, you know, Renee, normally when I'm driving through a bad neighborhood, I feel generally safer on the freeway. If I'm on the freeway driving through, you know, parts of the South field or parts of 94 or parts of 75, where I know the neighborhood off the off ramp isn't a great neighborhood. I usually feel generally safe when I'm on the freeway, but, uh, yeah, like I said, this is happening more and more, and it's getting scary. And it, it would be even scarier if this was a random occurrence. Well, and it makes me feel better now that uh, the city recently announced that they're going to be installing much more uh, cameras on the freeways. Yeah. So hopefully yep. that curbs this a little bit. Yeah, and I guess ShotSpotter was activated during this. So hopefully that helps the police in their investigation. Um, we were talking about how the Senate was in Washington, D.C. over the weekend. And this is a... This is a wild story. <laughs> a staffer for Senator Bed Cardin. He is out of a job after allegedly publishing a video of two men having sex in a Senate hearing room. The aide uh, has been identified as Aiden Sherpaski. I'm probably messing that up. He posted a statement on LinkedIn saying that this is an attack on his sexuality and that he would <laughs> never disrespect his workplace in such a way and that he will be pursuing legal action. But you he did. Well, I guess that's the question. I mean, yes, the day uh, the Daily Caller of all places published this video. It was all blurred out, but I did wa watch it. And you did, of it, course, you did. Uh, it's for research, and uh, <laughs> and it definitely looked like a Senate hearing room. 
Uh, it definitely did look like two people having relations, but I guess what's in what's in question is if this aide Ann Serposky, or however you say it, was involved. And I guess U.S. Capitol Police are looking into this video. Um, My question and, to you and, was, did you ever see House of Cards? You said no, which was shocking no. to me. You need to watch that show. It's on Netflix. And oh my gosh, this is a, this is straight out of House of Cards. Well, after this story, would I be bored by House of Cards? Is there anything uh, in this Netflix show that could top reality? Um, I mean, it's a lot of this kind of stuff. Please, wow. over over break. You need to watch House of Cards. I can't promise I'll try, but I'll try to try. Okay. All right. Fair well, enough. Well, and here, here's the thing, Renee. Everyone's everyone's emphasizing the fact that the relations in the in the video are are gay, but that's not the scandal here. The scandal here is just the fact that anyone is is doing this in a Senate hearing room, gay, straight, bi, poly. I know it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the orientation. Uh, it, the scandal is that somebody uh, would be so audacious to not only try this, but then post a video of it after they got away with it. Right. Well, why did you video it? <laughs> well, it, it, and to go even further, why would you post it? Why right. would you publish it? I, I mean, I, I can understand you, you might video it to get a to, to look back later on and think back about the thrill of what you got away with. Right. But, and, and here's my other question, too. What what can Capitol Police do here? I mean, it. I, I know that there's a lot of things uh, that if it's done on the Capitol grounds, it's illegal. So maybe may, you, maybe using that as as sort of your criteria, maybe just the fact that they defiled a Senate hearing room is illegal in and of itself. Public. But. Something I don't know. Right, but but if nobody walked in and nobody caught them, was there a crime here? And and if it is in fact the crime here is that they did this on the U.S. Capitol building or the U.S. Capitol grounds, does that mean that everyone who might be getting busy, um, you know, in their office behind closed doors, would they also be subject to criminal prosecution? That's a great question. I don't know. Yeah. I'm I'm not an attorney. I just play one on TV. I, right. I have no idea. <laughs> this whole so, thing is know. wild. Yeah. So you know what I'm you know what I'm gonna be watching over my break, Renee? What? The news. Because the news <laughs> has so many has way more plot twists than anything on Netflix. Your facts. That is a fact. Yeah. Um my, so it looks like um, Jeopardy has made their choice. They're going with one host, one host only, and they've made their choice. So that means one person is out, right? Yep, that would be Maya Bialik. She says she was uh, she's being removed as host. She announced the change, explaining Sony has informed me that I am no longer hosting the syndicated version of Jeopardy. Uh, she adds, I am incredibly honored to have been nominated for a primetime Emmy for hosting this year. That was a jab. I am deeply grateful for the opportunity to have been a part of the Jeopardy family. The show said in an Instagram post that it made the decision to have one host for the syndicated show next season to maintain con continuity for the viewers. The statement also thanked Bialik and left the door open for her to host primetime specials. My take, I think that she's not vanilla enough for them. Yeah, and I don't know if this has been the plan <laughs> the whole time. 
What is rutabaga? No, I'm sorry. That's not correct. Delicious. That's what it is. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had a rutabaga. Um, yeah, I don't know if this has been the plan the whole time. Um, and I got to be honest, I only catch the primetime Jeopardy, the the Ken Jennings. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I thought Ken Jennings was the was the perfect natural choice to sure it made Alex the most Trebek. sense. Yeah, and and because you know he's got kind of that that just monotone enough to have credibility, but not so monotone that he that he's boring. And I, that that could actually be going to your point there, Renee. I do like though the fact that when he. When he's getting annoyed, when they're getting enough answers wrong as a whole, or their answer is just dumb enough, he he does this no. He goes, no. (laughs) I love it. He's losing patience. Yes, yes. But see, she is a self-identified Zionist, and she weighed in on, recently she weighed in on the Israel-Hamas war. Mm. Uh, In October, she filmed an Instagram reel in which she uh, and Israeli actor Nora, I believe it's Noah, no, it's Noah Tishby. They discuss mm-hmm. Hamas, including Tishby saying that it's coming for Israel first in America and the rest of the Western world next. Uh, and they did it in the format of a Jeopardy episode. And I believe uh, that may have had something to do with it, to be honest. Right. Jeopardy didn't want to weigh into the controversy. Yeah, I, that's why I say I, I don't think she's vanilla enough for Jeopardy's liking. I think she was brought on possibly to attract more of the female demographic. Well, and also back during the, I don't remember if it was the writer's strike or the actor's strike, Jeopardy was still filled. I think it was the writer's strike because yep. I think Jeopardy had enough questions written ahead of time to that they them. could continue. Yeah. Yes. And Mayim Bialik would not, um, she wouldn't work on the show well, because she's, she's an, an actor, actor. Right. Right. And she's standing in solidarity with, uh, you know, her industry brethren. Right. And so I know that that, that added some, some tension too. Yeah, so. so they thought, they probably thought she's too much in yeah. more ways and than plus, one. Right. And here's the thing too. I mean, Mayim Bialik, yeah, the Big Bang Theory ended a while ago, but she's still a pretty well-known actress. Yeah. I'm I'm sure she's probably got other things going on other than Jeopardy. But sure. I think I think you I, I think you're on to something, Renee, when uh, you say that you know she might she might be causing too many waves, yeah, mm-hmm. so to speak. And real quick, the uh, the people mover is going to be free starting next year. And I think you, me, and Jason, we were talking about this. We weren't even sure if the people mover was still in operation. I I can't remember the last time I took the people mover. So now they're giving away the cow for free. There here's a problem. It's so uh, archaic. It's it, it's system in an effort to increase usage. They're going to do this new pilot program where they're going to cover the fares starting in 2024. It's going to last for one year and it may possibly make it permanent. The zero fare pro- program. Uh, what they're going to do is they're just basically going to say, go ride it for free because the equipment's all original. There's no electronic options. They only accept coins, tokens, or magnetic stripe passes that you have to purchase yeah. in advance. So that's that's a challenge. Nobody carries cash anymore. Well, to me, the people mover is more of a ride than it is public transportation. And I don't like know. A if novelty. There's people... Yeah. I, I mean, you go downtown. Oh, cool. We'll take a little lap around the city. And, and, and hopefully there are Detroiters out there who actually do utilize it. But it, it just seems to kind of go more around sort of the touristy kind of downtown spots. I don't know if it's going into the neighborhoods it's and taking not. people f- from their home, what point A to point B. 
But uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe it's time for my three times a year people mover ride. I enjoy. I do enjoy it when I uh, sure when it's I cool. Use it. It's yeah, you're above everything. You get to see some great views, especially when it goes along the river. Um, yeah, and yeah, it's and not I mean, functional. if you. Yeah, except for, I mean, I have used it a couple times if I'm like parking at Greektown or something and I used to go to the Joe or you're going to uh, uh, TCF or Huntington Place, whatever we call Kobo now. But yeah, for the <laughs> most part, and, and I guess they're going to cover this by selling sponsorships. But right. yeah, for the, for the most part, to me, the people mover is more of a tourist attraction than it is public transit. All right, we got to take a quick break. It's first thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. Guy Gordon, Jamie Edmonds, join us here heading into JR Morning and uh, we have a conundrum this morning. It Tell is us. a victory. It is a victory Monday, and Lloyd's not here. So, so one of us is going to have to sing the fight song. Any volunteers? No. You. Fortunately, we we have uh, we have audio clips for that. Forward down the field. <laughs> that's that's digital Lloyd. That's virtual Lloyd weighing that's in a- on Victory Monday. That's, that's AI Lloyd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. Lloyd the Lloyd bot. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? Nothing nothing beats live, but but we'll take it. Um He has to be exhausted. They scored six touchdowns, seven touchdowns. He probably lost his voice. Has anyone has anyone uh heard Lloyd? He's probably he's probably talking like this this morning. Maybe that's why he's not here. Down the field. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, geez, what a what a showing by by the Lions against Denver. I mean, that was a game I think we were all worried about. And the Philadelphia Eagles can give us a nice little early Christmas present tonight by taking care of the Seattle Seahawks and getting us into the playoffs. And yeah, then, but Jalen Hurts is not looking good for that game. That's yeah, a problem. What, that's good got, for what, me a in mis- fantasy. Against my opponent. Well, that's all we care about is your fantasy team. <laughs> it's funny because he's my fantasy quarterback. It's the playoffs. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to take my chances on a sick Jalen Hurts over a healthy Will Levis. And I'm hoping that pays off, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. But but uh, Christmas Eve, Santa Dan Campbell could uh, also give us another gift by taking care of business against the Minnesota Vikings. And I think that would clinch us the division with a win uh, this Sunday. Well, can we it? just send a little thank you to the Bengals for that great overtime victory on Saturday that yeah. I was I was I was watching it at a wedding on on, on my phone and I got in trouble. You did? Uh-oh. I got in trouble. Who yelled at you, the bride? No, my wife. Uh, what are you bride. doing? Yeah. Put that phone away. <laughs> the bride had you know, yet to make an appearance. Oh, well, I see no problem, though. She was watching the game, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <That's> right. <laughs> right. She was thinking of canceling. So like, look, we're going to have to move this until uh, February. We'll do it the, the weekend after the Lions win the Super Bowl. I just want to point out, everyone was doom and gloom last week, and I was like, the Lions are going to be fine. Jamie, I did I not say you're yes. very comforting? Yes. I mean, this fan base is so snake bit that we're, 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 we're learning to trust, right? And we said it last week. They were a nine-win team. They had a bad stretch. It's ridiculous to say same old Lions for a nine-nine-win uh, first in their division team. Ex- and I think, except I have ahead, sixty-five guys. years of post-traumatic stress. <laughs> That's it. That's it. And I mean, even when the Lions have a good season, like back in twenty sixteen, they got off to that hot start and they essentially backed into the playoffs. I think. We have been hurt so many times that we're just waiting for that pendulum to drop on us. We're wounded birds. 
You know what? I I get it. I'm not from here, but I did watch Bye Bye Barry finally yesterday, and there's some deep wounds there. Yes, and it's funny how many parallels there are between you know that era of of Lions uh, teams and 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 what we're seeing now. Hopefully, hopefully this is actually the long legit turnaround. Yes. Uh, that that we've been waiting for since uh, we traded away Bobby Lane back in the fifties. <laughs> Here's to so, hoping. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So um, we are going to be following all that. Really busy news week. Even though uh, we're heading into Christmas, Jr. Morning coming up after Fox News. Families of victims of the mass shooting on MSU's campus back in February, they'll receive a big settlement from the university. Attorney David Femininio represents one of the families, and he broke some new uh, news on All Talk with Tom Jordan and Kevin Dietz. Got to bring this in because this is brand new, breaking exclusively here on All Talk, uh, related to the massacre at Michigan State University. Uh, one of the victims of the shooting, the family, the family of Alexandria Werner has announced uh, a major settlement, Kevin, with Michigan State University. Yeah, Tom, uh, she goes by Alex. Uh, tragic story, a uh, story that uh, too many families had to live. Um, but they have been uh, working uh, with Michigan State in a settlement uh, is now official. Uh, let's bring in uh, David Femininio, uh, the attorney uh, for the Werner family. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you today? Uh, doing well. This, this, this is always always difficult. Um, you know, you go through a tragedy and you try and uh, find a shining light. You try, try and move forward. You try and make sure this doesn't happen again. Um, and you try and make sure that uh, some good uh, for uh, the Werner legacy can, can come from this. Are, are you going to be able to uh, meet those goals? I hope to. Uh, you know, Alex is priceless. Okay. She was an incredible friend. She was an incredible daughter, an incredible sister, an incredible person. She was a great leader, a great student athlete, and you know, she died tragically. Um, you know, but with this resolution or settlement, you know, she, her family is going to be able to move forward in an attempt to heal, but in also in an attempt, a very strong attempt to promote her legacy so that she is never forgotten and that this never happens again. Yeah, I love the idea that there'll be a scholarship fund uh, to, to keep her name alive and it, that it'll help other people uh, go on to do great things. Uh, one of the things uh, that I like about uh, lawsuits and the legal system, it allows for, for depositions and, and people under oath and, and getting documents. Uh, um, how much did you find out about what went wrong at Michigan State, and were they, are they things that are fixable? We never brought this case in an effort to blame MSU. We never filed this lawsuit in an effort to, to seek to, to hold MSU responsible for what happened that day. Instead, we filed our notices, Tom and Kevin, we filed our notices of intent, which is required by law. We filed them in an effort to begin discussions with how MSU can support this family moving forward. So let's talk more about that, because I think it's fascinating that the, you know, Alex's family chose not to blame Michigan State University uh, for her death. And they want to focus instead on, I think, prevention and her legacy as well. What do you think this conversation is going to turn to in terms of the prevention uh, aspect of the family's wishes? 
the family has been extremely active in working with MSU, in working with the administration since the date of this accident. They have been on nearly every meeting and asked to be in every meeting about improving campus safety, improving, improving the notice, um, uh, the, the speaker system, improving the key lock system, improving the access points, improving strategies, and, and also responsiveness. Mm to another potential, um, you know, shooter or, you know, threat. Um, so they have worked with them since day one in an effort to try to improve the situation to, to ensure that this never happens again. Yeah, responsiveness is so key because I remember that night yeah. very, very clearly, and a lot of people do because it just seemed to go on for hours and hours. Um, let's talk about Alex specifically and what her legacy is going to look like because she was, as you said, an amazing young woman, her attributes. So she was a leader. She was an athlete. She was a good friend. What is that going to look like? What would that translate to as you focused on her legacy at the school? Even even before this happened, even even before the settlement was, was reached, there was a um, an effort to create scholarship funds in the city of Clawson through the Clawson School District for um, Alex's memory. And they already have established a scholarship fund before any funding came from MSU. So they did their own fundraising. They did their own donation seeking in an effort to try to create a legacy for Alex because Alex was, and, and we all heard the interviews with Clawson and uh, the uh, sports uh, people at Clawson High School and the, the district, we heard about how great she was and uh, so as a result of that, they decided to create some scholarship funds. And now that these these funds will be able to uh, be super funded and uh, become a, a lasting legacy forever so that she is never forgotten. And there, there will also be sports initiatives. There will be initiatives for uh, academics, um, everything in an effort to try to, uh, you know, let um, let uh, Alex serve as a lightning rod for change, but also uh, a beacon of hope for for you know student athletes in the future. We're talking with attorney David Feminino, who is representing the Verner family. Alex Verner uh, was murdered uh, at uh, Michigan State in that uh, horrific shooting. Uh, we, I know you're going to have a, a press conference here at noon, and we appreciate you bringing us the news news first. Uh, Alex's father, mother, sister, and brother are going to be at the press conference. What What is their message? Their message is one of prevention, one of hope, and one of legacy for for their daughter moving forward. They, they really do want her, want this to never happen to anyone else, and they also want her to serve an, exa an example of a life well-led, although only 20 years long. Mm, you know, $5 million, it you know, seems like a lot, but it's really not. You mentioned Alex is priceless, and it's such a loss to the family. It hasn't even been a year yet. You know, the day before Valentine's Day of this year, 2013, how are they coping? How are the, the parents and the siblings? How are they doing? As you as you might expect, it's been it's been extremely difficult every day moving forward, and it's it's been a, a you know very difficult uh, Thanksgiving season, and and as we approach the holidays, it's not getting any easier as you might expect. Yeah, tough time of year for sure. Well, we know you have a press conference coming up here at noon. We appreciate you coming on uh, prior to that to speak with us, Kevin Deeds and myself, to talk about this. It's a it's a milestone. It's a step in the right direction. There's more work to do, but this certainly is a positive step. Attorney David Femininio, always appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you, sir.
Have a wonderful day. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's great to see them uh, uh, looking and focusing on her legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I do hope through this entire process that uh, we find out uh, the, the various things uh, on at all of these university shootings to, to try and learn from them yeah. so that they can be prevented in the future. It was remarkable as that was unfolding, how long it was playing out. And it was very disturbing. I've got friends who are professors there and whatnot saying, yeah, one of my students just saw the shooter and the shooter took off. And it's like, wow, this is happening in real time. This is the real deal.